1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dine's Cast on of viz Radio. Brought to you by our friends over at American Prodigy, who you just heard from, Indeed, Pepsi, and Bet Online, presented by Blue Wire. Dine's Cast in the building. Week 11 is in the books. We are chugging along. You might be listening to this with your uh, morning Thanksgiving turkey in front of you. Uh, Or your afternoon Thanksgiving turkey But you probably listen on Thanksgiving or later Uh, So how is it going tonight Dan on your Thanksgiving day
2: Well time is definitely Flying Uh, Thanksgiving is here Soon to be Black Friday And it's officially Christmas season Uh, I think my lights are probably Going to go up one of these days when it's not 25 degrees outside so that'll be That'll be nice hopefully I don't fall off the roof Peas and peas from everybody that don't fall off my roof (laughs) Like football season's cruising too, man. It's it's almost fantasy uh, playoffs. We're almost there, and now we get the exciting topic of trade deadlines, buys, sells. Today we're going to focus on buys, but trade deadlines. That's a uh, that's a big that's a big boy topic. A lot of people a lot of people hate them in Dynasty.
1: Sure, we are going to go over them in general, and then move into some <laughs> more specifics. Um, But before we have that, we have the big unfortunate news of the week, and that's Joe Burrow tearing his ACL, his MCL, and some knee ligament damage as well. Uh, And he had this injury, obviously, in mid to late November. Now, there are plenty of Twitter doctors that are saying there's a chance he plays week one 2021. There is also pessimists that are saying we'll see him in 2022. What does this injury do to his dynasty value for you, Dan?
2: I honestly don't think it does a whole lot of anything. I mean, he's 23. If he misses two months next season, uh, I mean, are we really losing that much off of the, you know, career points expected from Joe Burrow? Probably not. Yeah, you lose a little bit, but in the big scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. Modern medicine is way more advanced than than it used to be when ACLs were you know, considered career threatening, obviously with the ACL, the MCL and some other damages in there, things might last a little longer than maybe we expect. But uh, I think even if he happens to miss next season, he's still really easily, I would say a top eight dynasty quarterback. That's probably a very lukewarm take. Uh, I know a lot of people have him in that top six ish area, but there's a lot of names now where we're getting a little, a little higher end uh, as far as quarterbacks go especially with another fellow rookie, Justin Herbert, absolutely exploding this year. So uh, I, think, I think if the, the news gets worse, a nice buy window will open for Joe Burrow. However, right now, I don't think there is going to be a, a buy window only because of what he, we were able to see with a still pretty bad and or mediocre Bengals team. And I mean, he, he just kept producing and doing what he was doing and they're throwing the ball a lot. So I think that's probably a sign of things to come. So um, definitely don't sell right now. His his value isn't going to be worth selling him uh, unless you're somehow upgrading, getting into like a Kyle Murray, a Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Uh, I, you know, those are types of moves I'd make, but otherwise I'm probably just hanging on to Joe, let them sit on the injured reserve. Um, what are you doing, Nathan? Are, are you in a, a selling mood? Do you think this affects career longevity?
1: I mean, I'm not selling. The only way I'm really selling is if I'm making a lateral move. If I'm using Joe Burrow to get into Tua or Herbert, and I'm fine with just moving and getting. I mean, the Tua, you can make the debate whether that's, uh, you know, injury move or whether you're moving into the injury there. But I personally, I thought that that you know, Burrow's only plus mark over Tua was the injury, and now that he has a major injury of his own. Tua now has that over him so i mean i think that i move him down in that sense of like okay now i prefer the other two rookies but i don't really move his value down like i think he's still worth like two first in a super flex or you know a early second in a one qb league um so i don't really move his value down i'm so just prop up his peers a little bit slightly uh one move that i did see in my leagues today a 16 team super flex uh joe burrow darius slayton a csc and a third for Russell Wilson, so basically Burrow and Slayton for Russell Wilson. I think that's a fair deal? You think that's uh, selling too low on on Russell Wilson? What are your thoughts on that? That's
2: joy. no, I, I think as a as a, a contender for sure. That's that's a really good move. I I like getting younger there, getting into Burrow, um, and as a contender, I don't mind that move at all. I mean, Burrow had been producing, and then you switch over to Russell Wilson, who had a really massive start to the season, has kind of slowed down a little bit as of late, but. Um, he always is known to rebound and, and get right back to it. So, no, I think that's a really good move. I think that's smart. Slayton is kind of just notoriously undervalued as having a decent season. So, you know, you can add wide receiver depth and get younger at the position and, and probably aren't leaving the elite tier as far as I'm concerned. So, that's a, that's a good move for both sides.
1: Yep. Uh, so yeah, I, I will do some putting some feelers out as we approach trade deadlines to see if anyone. Is doing some panic on Joe Burrow, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that it's going to be, I mean, at the end of the day, Russell Wilson for Slayton and and Burrow, that's not really an injury discount. I mean, it's an injury discount because you probably don't trade Burrow without the injury there, but that's pretty similar value to where he was like last
2: week. For sure. Yeah. No, I I don't think there's a big discount right now. Like I said, if, if it becomes, if the news, the news gets worse and now we're looking at a 2022 return, I think at that point you'll have a really nice buy window. People might really get concerned about career longevity and, and, you know, his time off and time away. So, uh, but I do think we see him. I would definitely say before mid season next year.
1: All right. Now let's move on to our next topic. And or I guess it's a continuation of a topic, and it is trade deadlines. We'll give a quick, you know, I know that we talk about this every year. We've talked about it on Dice Double Take when that was a show, Um, talking about trade deadlines, and I'll start off with my trade deadline take And as a commissioner, I love trade deadlines. Um, My number one reason why I love trade deadlines is that I think they create action that people see that trade deadline. Oh, once this, once this passes, I'm not able to make any more moves. There's there's a sense of urgency that is not there in, in non trade deadline leagues, but from a simple, simple ease of commissioning standpoint, I like trade deadlines because they create an urgency to pay for 2021. I, I, I turn off trading in week, in week 13 or week 14 and they, people can't get their trades turned back on. And so after week 16, once they've made their payment, whether it's because they won money themselves or, or they've already sent their payment. So it, by taking away the trade rights, you know, or, uh, in week 14 that creates the urgency. Okay. I want my trade rights back as soon as possible and people pay quicker.
2: Yeah. Uh, see, for me, it's always been a kind of a who you're with deal playing in in just kind of random public leagues or people that I don't know. Um, I think a trade deadline is, is definitely a good move. Like you said, it gets, it creates a little bit of urgency to make moves. It also creates urgency to start the next season, especially for those um that either miss the playoffs or are kind of antsy to make moves early off season. And the other reason is you completely avoid any sort of, you, you know, um, bad moves made mid playoffs where most of my leagues at this point now are, are with people that I know and I trust very much. And I know that I'm not going to see anything that one team gives up everything. The other team gives up nothing just to provide that team with a playoff win or a league win. So the, the trade deadline I get, I don't run them. I think in any league that I commission solo, I think all of the ones I play in are either um, some, some Scott Fish leagues or they are uh, just random public leagues. So uh, Or, or I, Nathan Powell leagues. Or a Nathan <laughs> Powell league, correct. <laughs> uh, I don't hate trade deadlines. I have, I have nothing negative to say about it. Uh, for me, I just like to have options available. If somebody gets hurt late and you need to make a move to get it, chances are you're going to have to pay to go get that player or pay to get a replacement. Um, but I like having the extra option rather than just forcing people to pick from the waiver pool or expect that their team is deep enough to just have an option waiting. So I, I think it just creates a better environment for owners to be able to always have the flexibility to go and make a move if they need to. And based on the timing of the trade, they're either going to have to pay more or pay less, depending on, you know, like paying some, for someone week one is going to be way different than paying for someone week 15 when you're trying, you know, you're going for the title, you're going for, you know, whatever to, to make it there. Uh, somebody goes down with an injury and all of a sudden you need to replace them. So you, you have the flexibility. Uh, I, I just prefer it that way. But again, I don't have any, any negative feelings either way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually, um, I feel the same way, but the opposite, like I have trade deadlines, but if you don't, it's not the end of the world. I just think that it makes it easier on the commission a little bit. And there are some worries. I haven't really had any experiences in my time as a commissioner of people like selling off all their picks and stuff like that, and then and then leaving at the trade deadline. I feel like someone's just as likely to do that in week four as they are to do it in week 14.
2: Yeah, it takes a real scumbag to do that kind of crap, and then normally you get blacklisted. And you're not invited back to any fun leagues, and you get stuck playing in uh, flea flicker leagues that are free and no one plays in. So enjoy those. <laughs>
1: All righty, before we get into our contenders, buys, and sells, I want to tell you about our friends over at Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be the most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. And now... Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $375 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $375 credit at indeed.com/bluewire. B L U E W I R E. This is their best offer available anywhere, anytime, any place. Go right now to indeed.com/bluewire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Indeed. Indeed. Well, now we will move on to our next portion of the show, and we're going to be talking about buying this week. We're going to be talking about buying as a contender and buying as a rebuilder. Now, buying as a contender normally means you're probably going for probably a little bit older player or someone that's producing a lot. Now, in order to kind of find the best of both worlds, you're probably looking for someone a little older that's producing. You're going to get a better deal on them. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's your only type of buy candidate as a contender. You can still get into players that are young that have tons of upside that maybe are injured at the moment or are assuming to be coming back all sorts of different things. As a rebuilder, you're looking for players on injured reserve guys that are underperforming or just guys that people don't really seem to be valuing a lot that you're able to get at a discount and try to boost their their value going forward, and getting just free upside, honestly. So that, as, a, as a rebuilder, that's what you're looking for. So as contenders, um, we're going to start out with the QB position. Now, Nathan and I alternated positions here. I started with QB contender buys, and I kind of went two ways. So we can have this discussion and, and maybe uh, decide afterwards. My first option is the old guy, the old type that's producing. Obviously, when you're buying old, you're only going to look for production. Big Ben, Tom Brady. Both guys are having great seasons, QB1s, and we've heard about all of the retirement talk forever. So really, you're looking at a, a one more stretch type of thing, quote unquote, um, but they continue to keep playing and going. So Big Ben, Tom Brady would be my two probably main ones as a contender I'm looking for. If you're looking for another guy that's going to be a little bit cheaper, but probably has more career left in them, I'm looking at Ryan Tannehill. He's had a couple of tough weeks, and his price has probably dipped a little bit because he was rolling for a while. Now we see Tennessee starting to kind of make their little bit of a comeback, get the team back on the right track. They're still kind of been struggling, especially defensively. Um, and as they struggle defensively, they're probably going to be throwing more. They've got A.J. Brown healthy. Corey Davis is healthy and playing well. John Smith and Anthony Ferkser keep kind of uh, doing their own thing at tight end. And obviously, Derrick Henry in the backfield, even though he doesn't really catch a whole lot of passes, they kind of keep that offense going. So are you more of a buy and get a little less production now in hopes that we have more for future? Because for the most part, contenders aren't just a one-year contender. Unless you're fully sold out, you have all 35-year-olds somehow, you're producing and winning. Uh, Or do you, so do you go all in right now? Or do you look for enough production that can stretch across maybe a few years?
1: So for my Superflex, um, obviously we're talking Superflex when we're talking about quarterback buys here. Uh, my Superflex strategy generally uh, evolves around you know the top-end guys. You guys are like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, those guys. But I, I particularly try and avoid the tier of Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I avoid these guys because – Obviously, there's not much long term, and the uh, the replacement cost of a quarterback is so high. And granted, this has been biting me in the butt for the last four years. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to draft Brady because the replacement <laughs> cost is so high. Well, or eventually it gets to the point where you're not to replace Tom Brady. And if I'm going to spend at quarterback, I would rather spend higher and get more years. And I don't sure. think that there's too much of a gap between. Your your cost of a Ben Brady, I I think that those guys will probably cost you what like a late first at this point, maybe a mid first at the absolute most. And I think Tan would cost you a mid first. And I, if I if I'm a contending team and I have like a team that if, if I'm like a quarterback away from a playoff spot and I can deal my first for Tan that's a move I would definitely make. Um, you might need to get a little bit even more than that because because he is a quote unquote long term starter. Um, but none of these, none of these three guys are multiple first type valued players. Sure. So uh, certainly those are all guys that I'd be looking to buy at this point in the season. You know, you're you're not going out and buying Kyler Murray at the trade deadline in Superflex league.
2: Right. Yeah. You have to give too much value up, especially as a contender, you're going to lose too much off the top to, to make a move like that really worth it to make a run. Um, The move I like to make, whether it's Ben or Brady is a second and a third. That's kind of your starting point. If you're able to get in the door that way, maybe even if you have to add a player, uh, just a, an upside guy, a, an end of bench type, that's an easy move to make. You might you might be able to get Tannehill for that late first, uh, or you try a couple of seconds, maybe a, a couple of seconds and someone like uh, a Paris Campbell who guys still kind of have a little bit of upside there and, and he's kind of got some nice value in a throw-in, just random name I threw out that wasn't like a go buy Paris Campbell but, or sell Paris Campbell. So uh, I like both options, honestly. I think you get an extra couple of years with Tannehill for sure, and then Ben and Brady, anything extra on top of outside the one year is just, I mean, it's it's cherry on top. So um, I'm probably targeting Ben of this group of three for now because I think he provides the most short-term with the potential for a little bit more long-term, at least over the next two seasons.
1: righty, let's move on to my running back by. Am I running back by? You, we talked about how... When you're looking for a contender buy, oftentimes it's a guy coming off an injury is a good buy. And that's one Chris Carson. He is a guy who uh, is projected to come back against the Eagles in week 12. He has been out since week seven. And before he went out, he had he had some scoring lines of 24 points, 20 points, 11 points, 25 points, 19 points. And then he got hurt in a five-point game. He was very heavily involved in the Seahawks passing game. Uh, six catches three, catches, three catches, three catches, three catches, six catches much more than we expected him this season. Uh, and part of the let Rush Cook movement was getting Carson involved in the passing game. And Russell Wilson has not been the same quarterback since Chris Carson has been outside the backfield. Now it doesn't really have much impact on Carson's uh, dynasty value, but I will say that all it takes is a few weeks of a player, not playing a player, not putting up the, the big points I'm not sure how low Carson's price is, but it's probably lower than it should be. I bet you could get him for a late first, maybe a late first and an early third. And that is, and he is a player who could be a low end RB1 the rest of the season and could help you lead you to a championship.
2: Yeah. I think I've pretty much forever been a a Chris Carson naysayer, mostly because I've been a, a Rashad Penny super fan. And one of those players has panned out and the other one hasn't really played. So uh, I really like the idea of buying Chris Carson short term, uh, especially short term, because I think he provides so much upside for a playoff run. Uh, you mentioned some some really nice twenty point stat lines. You know that he's consistent when he's on the field; he's scoring points. And it hasn't really been the same Seahawks offense without Chris Carson. There was a couple of games where they're still pulling up massive points, and and you know so be it. But they're so much more consistent when they have Carson. They have healthy Russell Wilson. Obviously, the wide receivers are great. So uh, I do really think that you could get Chris Carson for a really reasonable price. Uh, a move I wouldn't hate making, especially if you have extra wide receiver depth, is maybe, maybe bailing on someone like, like a Debo Samuel or even tr- maybe moving Michael Pittman for Chris Carson and something. Um, moves like that, if you have the depth, the Debo Samuels and the Michael Pittmans and, and those types of guys probably aren't starting for you at this point. So if you can move them for a starting running back that you're probably going to see returns on almost immediately and his yeah, value m- is m- going to increase Michael Gallup. Yep. Gallup's another good one. Um, making a move like that for a player that's going to score a bunch of points in the short term is only going to increase his value. Now, if the CX next draft go first round running back again, for some reason, which they've been known to do, um, then that value tanks and you're, you're out of, you're out a decent wide receiver, but, If it helps you win a championship, which Chris Carson's more than likely going to be a league winning type player this year because of his return and his value coming off of it, it it, honestly, to me, it'd be worth it because one title is worth a lot more than three or four wide receiver four seasons. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Now, who do you have on your wide receiver list?
2: So my wide receiver buy list and, and one of these um I, I added to one happened to make the COVID list this week, so we don't know if it'll be out for an extended period because he's getting getting a little old, you know, when the old people get the covids, it's usually <laughs> oh, not <Jesus> <laughs> usually not <laughs> good business. Um, but the first guy listed who did just make the COVID list is Adam Thielen coming off a massive game. Um he's a, a wide receiver one. I think he's like wide receiver six or seven right now, had it has Five or six games, I believe, over 20 points. Uh, and I think a couple of games at like five points. But when he produces, it's big. He's had a couple of tough games. He kind of lives and dies by Kirk Cousins, who's been all over the place this year. But when Kirk's throwing touchdowns, they're normally to Adam Thielen. So that's all sorts of upside. Age gives him that discount. Adam Thielen's really never been valued properly, I, I think. Um, and really all he's ever done is produce. He's had a couple of weird seasons here and there. But Uh, All he does is produce. And then the other guy I have on this list is Robert Woods, who uh, just kind of notoriously, again, is someone that's undervalued and only produces. Uh, I believe he also is sitting in a wide receiver one state as far as average points goes. Um, I think he's like 11 or 12 right now. And, you know, a lot of people like to say that Cooper Cup is is undervalued, but people are paying way more to get Cooper Cup than they are to get Robert Woods. And both are producing just fine. Obviously, Jared Goff is a, you know, a very mediocre quarterback, like Kirk Cousins is. But again, when these offenses are producing and they're passing, these are the guys that are scoring the points. So for the price, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot more upside at the wide, re- wide receiver position than two guys that are actually wide receiver ones right now that you're probably paying wide receiver three or wide receiver four prices for.
1: Yeah, I they these two are perennially guys that are never gonna be worth how much their points are worth. Uh that, I mean, like I'd be surprised if you could get two first for either of these guys, but look at the look at the list of the other guys who are putting up wide receiver one points. You can get two first for nearly all of them. Yep. So uh you know, th- this is your shot to use a first plus another piece to get one of these guys and you know, add to a championship type run. So yeah, I am on board with with both of these guys. I Don't necessarily love either of their features, but I don't think that matters too much because they're still relatively young and the, you know, feature parts of their offense.
2: Absolutely. So now we get to talk about everyone's favorite position, the tight end. Nathan, you've got listed our tight end contender by. Let's hear it.
1: Well, uh, as we know on this podcast, uh, we don't love to talk tight ends, and we al- <laughs> we also don't like to buy tight ends. And I, I was talking about how I don't necessarily like to buy quarterbacks and superflex. That's why I like to spend up the position. And so if you're going out to try and buy a tight end, even the best ones aren't that expensive. So just go ahead and buy an expensive one because <laughs> they're not expensive, and it's TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson has uh, above t- uh, 10 PPR points in every game but one this season. Um, you know he, he's been a premier target for uh, for Matthew Stafford uh, and also whatever else they've they've had a quarterback this season. And so yeah, I'm I'm all aboard the Hawkinson train. I think he's uh, top three, top four tight end, and I don't think he's going to cost you that much. I think he's going to cost you like mid first type value, and I'm very willing to give that up if I have a needed tight end.
2: It's kind of crazy with Hawkinson too, because everyone was all about it. And, and his value went through the roof, uh, especially after, as a rookie. And then it just kind of all stopped. He kind of was injured here and there. And, you know, Detroit's offense is just kind of all over the place. Matthew Stafford's been, uh, I mean, most bipolar quarterback I think I've ever seen. And now we sit here today, he's a, a high end tight end one, and it's just, kind of we don't really hear about it so uh, i do like the idea of buying tj hawkinson rather than going and trying to buy like a a travis kelsey um, or even someone like mark andrews who's probably a little bit undervalued right now is still probably going to cost more than tj hawkinson so uh, i do like the idea of getting tj hawkinson because he provides you pretty much all of the value you could get as a tight end right now but i mean he's also what 23 24 maybe so you've got plenty of career ahead of you he's a young tight end producing now which again is something we don't really ever get to see and when we do see it normally those tight ends become special so if you can get tj hawkinson at pretty much any any normal tight end one price yeah i think you just have to go and try to do it uh most teams if you're if you're buying him off of a rebuilder that might be a little more difficult. You'll probably have to try to prime off of a fringe team, depending on the league that you're in. Or you may even have to overpay just a little bit uh, from a picks perspective. But if you're, you know, if you're contending and you need help at tight end, Hawkinson's probably going to be one of the only real difference makers at the position that you can actually get at a reasonable value right now.
1: Tell you what, on Sunday, I'm going to watch TJ Hawkinson, or I guess on on Sunday, on Thursday, on Thanksgiving, I'm going to sit on the couch and crack open a cold Pepsi.
2: And thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment, or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch Pepsi is the refreshment. You need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it Pepsi made for watching football.
1: Now let's move on to my rebuild quarterback buy. we're going through our rebuild buys now. And I'm starting at quarterback with Lamar Jackson. Uh, Not a player that you expected to see on the rebuild buy list at this point in the season. You would expect to see him on the contender buy or just the way too expensive to buy like he was this this time last year. But his price has dipped and he's not necessarily a guy that I'm trusting in my lineups right now because he's had some inconsistent weeks. But in terms of for, for the future, I do think that he's going to. Be closer to twenty nineteen Lamar Jackson than he has been twenty twenty. The their receiving core has been abysmal. That offense has not been able to get going, and they're still winning games in spite of it. And Lamar Jackson obviously has has the legs to make up for it in the fantasy game. Um, but if you can take one of these older quarterbacks and maybe add a little piece like a uh, Aaron Rodgers plus something, or I'm trying to think of, or maybe a Josh Allen plus something. Or actually, you might be able to do a Josh Allen close to straight up at this point. But, anyways, what I'm saying is that go out and try buy Lamar from a team that's contending. They're they're thinking, oh, I don't want to ride the Lamar roller coaster anymore. I just want a stable quarterback play. Uh, so offer them Josh Allen. <laughs> um, but more seriously, um, try and offer them, you know, a veteran quarterback plus a plus a piece, and try and get yourself some Lamar Jackson.
2: Well, and the crazy thing is, too, is people are are going crazy. And I mean, we ha- we expected regression. If you didn't expect regression, I think you were probably just a little bit of a looney tune. He's QB ten. I mean, and it's essentially been only with his legs. That's insane to me. The the passing offense, honestly, the offense in general in Baltimore has been hideous. It's uh, I think Lamar himself said teams just know what we're doing. And as as John Harbaugh, you have to be like. Uh, that I don't know how that works. You, you, I mean, you have to mix it up. You have to figure something else out. Lamar is a great buy if people are really that down on him. Uh, I think the fact that he's still like QB10 would maybe make me believe a little bit that his pricing probably hasn't dipped a ton. But yeah, if you can move a, a Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, um, even Josh Allen, you know th- those types of moves into Lamar Jackson is massive. What's really crazy is looking at averages. You're only going to gain a couple of points per game by moving, uh, you know, a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers for Lamar Jackson. So you're not really losing a ton in the short term. Obviously, if you're rebuilding, you're not caring about short term as it is. So, yeah, I I think if you're getting a discount on Lamar, that's an absolutely fantastic play. Uh, Another one, just to throw it out there, which I assume everyone's already doing, is buying Dak Prescott. Being on the IR, uh, you know, he was just absolutely lighting it up pre-injury. And um, I I think that's another really easy move to make, especially on a contender, because most of the teams in the playoffs right now uh, in in leagues had Dak Prescott at some point. Because essentially those first five weeks, that team won because they had Dak Prescott.
1: For sure. Yep. So. Uh, do, you, do you think that there's a chance that Lamar owners are, sell, are selling right now? Or do you think that it's more of like like Twitter overreacts, but the owners or the managers stay the same?
2: I think there's a decent amount of crossover there. I, I think there's plenty of owners that are genuinely worried that they aren't going to get the passing upside. Because the, the conversation we always had, and, and it's different with, with Lamar as it was with other quarterbacks, with other quarterbacks is here's his passing floor, but here's his rushing upside. With Lamar, it's here's his rushing floor, which is what we're looking at at QB 10, and here's his passing upside. He's a completely backwards quarterback, but we knew that. And if people are panicking because he's struggling as a, as a thrower, or the offense is struggling right now, uh, you just have to take advantage of those people. So I, I do believe that his value overall is down. As far as finding people panicking, that may be a little more difficult or a little bit situational. Um, but if you're, if you're a, a rebuilder or you're a team that's not contending this year, you need to look to move your Russell Wilsons and Aaron Rodgers into a Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott. I think those are very easy moves to make. And I think most contenders are making that move.
1: Now let's move on to your running back pick. Who is your running back rebuild pick?
2: Well, he's been the talk of the town, uh, of late and actually for a while, And people either love him or hate him. Uh, We all know Zach Taylor hates him. As Joe Mixon, who was honestly having a decent season, wasn't blowing anybody away, but was playing well enough, I think. He was still an RB1. He was averaging like 16-ish points per game. Mixon's kind of always been the guy that has all of the talent in the world, but whether it's his usage or just the way he shows up on Sundays, kind of always... Underperformed, So I, I think his price this time is really going to dip. I think we're going to see a, a pretty significant discount on Joe Mixon um, coming shortly, if not already. And again, if it's a team that was contending that has Joe Mixon and you could throw Kareem Hunt at that kind of team, I think that's a deal some contenders might be willing to make because of the way the Mixon value has been trending over time. We've seen a slow dip with a couple of valleys in there, some small upticks, but for the most part, his value has only gone down over the last 24 months, I'd say, you know, kind of notoriously propped up as one of the top RBs. I think he's one of the most talented running backs in the league, but it just doesn't really ever show up on the scoreboard. So I do still like him as a long-term play. He's only what, 24, 25, plenty of life left in the legs. And, I think I think he's going to be a really nice buy here in the short term for for rebuilders.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one, because he is part of this. Actually, did he sign his extension?
2: Yes, he did. He's he's signed, I think, through 2024.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he's not part of this gigantic running back class. Correct. Um, So he's got the long term extension. So I I like that. I like that he's in the Cincinnati offense. Obviously, we're not too scared of the Joe Burrow injury. So, yeah, I think this is a decent buy, especially as this Bengals offense is only going to get worse over the next few weeks. So if you have a trade deadline deadline that's later or no trade deadline, like the later that you can buy Mixon, the better, because he's only going to get cheaper as the Bengals offense looks worse.
2: For sure. And, and, you know, Giovanni Bernard will do a whatever job. He's not an amazing running back. He'll be just fine in the short term. But I think you'll slowly start to see the value that Joe Mixon brought as the offense probably trends in the wrong direction without Joe Burrow, without Joe Mixon. I think it's going to look a lot different and, and, you know, it obviously isn't going to be as explosive.
1: Next, we'll go to my wide receiver selection, and it is one Henry Ruggs. Now you might say, Nathan... There are so many good wide receivers in this class. There's Justin Jefferson, there's C.D. Lamb, there's Jerry Judy, there's Chase Claypool. Why on earth would you want to be buying Henry Ruggs? Well, folks, I certainly have a habit of buying wide receivers that people are disappointed in in year one who were selected high in the NFL draft. Henry Ruggs, wide receiver one in the NFL draft. Do I think he's the top wide receiver? No. But I do think he's better than he's being valued right now. He's probably being valued as the wide receiver seven or eight and I think that's far too low. I think that he should be closer to the four or five range. And with his rookie season, obviously, been fairly disappointing. He had that one big game, two catches for one eighteen and a touch against Kansas City in week five. But he's battled some injuries, which obviously was one of the knocks on him entering uh, the NFL. And I, I just see him as the guy who, he, he this time next year, we're we'll going to be wondering why was this guy worth. Like he's probably worth a late first or early second right now. Like, how is this guy worth a late first or early second? Like, he his his upside is only going to show even more next year uh, as he gets healthy. So uh, I'm a big Rugs guy, especially at, as all the other rookies rise up. He's his price is only going to fall even lower.
2: This is the one I'll argue because again, anti Rugs guy. Um, we knew coming in that it was going to take. I mean, it he, he was a it was a very very small percentage chance that. He succeeded based on all of his combine numbers, all of what he did in college. Everything that he provided to us, as far as data goes, showed that he would need to be a very, very small percentage of guys that succeeded, that are built like him, that do things the way he does them. He has already been typecast into what we needed him to not be typecast into by John Gruden. They throw to him very little, He's pretty much only used to take the top off of the off of the defense, which they do not connect with, aside from the one game that Derek Carr hit him twice. And it, it's just, it, it, I mean, there's obviously a chance he can develop and he can become what we would like for him to become. We, he could become Deshaun Jackson, sure. I think it's a lot more likely he's Ted Ginn than Deshaun Jackson. So, how I will say though, if you can get him for a second, which at this point, maybe, but probably still unlikely because the guys that took him in the first are going to be the guys that liked rugs and can see all of the upside. If you can get him for a second, I think all it will take is one big game and you'll be able to sell him for a first. So, from that perspective, I think he's a really nice value flip because all it would take from him is one true breakout game. Yes, he had the two for 118 and a touchdown that seems like a fluke to me when he has one that's seven for 160 and three or something crazy like that, because he'll have a kind of, you know, he'll have a Justin Jefferson type breakout. He'll have a T Higgins type breakout that will happen. Maybe not this year, but when it does, that's when his value becomes immense because then we see, Hey, he can do it with real targets and real usage. They're not targeting him. They're not, they're not forcing the ball to him. That offense has absolutely nothing outside of Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. They have no one to throw to, and they're not throwing it to Henry Ruggs. So for me, it's a tough to buy with expectations for future, but it's a great buy for expectations to flip. So I'm, I'm stuck there with Ruggs. I would like to be proven wrong because he's a very exciting, exciting prospect. I just don't see how he pans out.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand your, your aversion, but I, I just think the upside is far too high with him to not try and buy at this price. Now let's go with your favorite position you will close us out with. Who is your rebuild tight end
2: buy? So just to remind everyone, tight ends are the worst, and you absolutely should make them not uh, not a start-up position in most leagues. They can be flexed, but don't require tight end. Just, you know, just an idea. Um, my buy as a rebuilder tight ends probably going to sound like an echo chamber because this podcast likes to do that. Um, Just it reverberates from me to Nathan and then back to me and then back to Nathan. Irv Smith Jr. Is one who I still believe he is a fantastic football player and is unfortunately stuck behind the brick wall. Kyle Rudolph, who runs like a brick wall. He is a pure dad runner. And Irv has had a little bit of of trouble staying healthy this year, which definitely hasn't helped his cause. And the Minnesota Vikings offense being all over the place, also has not helped one bit. But I do see Irv as a big part of that future and that offense. Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith, Dalvin Cook. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a true core. Obviously, Adam Thielen, for however much longer he's he's around. I don't see Kyle Rudolph as such. I assumed he would be used as a tackle, an extra tackle. And for the little bit that they've thrown to the tight ends this year, it's pretty much been an even split, just like it was last year between those two. Another guy on this list who... We've kind of seen all over the place, just super inconsistent, uh, whether it's his usage or his actual play, Mike Gusecki. We know he's a freak athlete. We know he's in a system that can work, but the inconsistencies still kind of lead me to believe he's not fully developed as that tight end. So I've got one guy who I believe is truly a star at the position and another guy who I think could be an absolute world beater if... And when he becomes more consistent and gets the usage.
1: Yeah, of the two, I, I would lean more towards Irv Smith because I think he would slightly be a little bit cheaper and I'm more of a believer in him. Uh, I, I think that we've seen enough of Mike Gasecki's bad that he's not going to reach the great tier of tight ends i think that he he's going to be stuck in that tight end like eight to 12 range and that's just the tight end range i don't want to be involved in yeah i i I want to shoot for the upside here and if you would have told me eight months ago that who would have the higher upside irv or or gasecki i would have said it's gasecki and not close but i just think we've seen enough bad from gasecki that that upside has definitely lowered whereas irv when he's been given the the touches and and, you know the targets he has shown he could be a top tight end he just needs you know, more action.
2: My, my only worry with Irv at this point is that he becomes OJ Howard the second, which again, I don't think OJ Howard got a fair shake either. Um, And Irv Smith could be on the same career trajectory. I just think, you know, the, the amount of upside at a position that really struggles is definitely worth whatever investment he costs at this point, which I don't believe is very much. So um, a couple of guys there. Yeah. Like, like Nathan said, I think, I think the bads from Gusecki have kind of proven what, Type of player he more than likely is. This was kind of the that's kind of the make or break. The third year is kind of when we you want to see a tight end start to become the tight end rather than just an upside play. So um, maybe year four will be different, but uh, it's hard to keep. It. Well, maybe year two will be different. Well, maybe year three, well four. Uh, how about next year six? It's probably time to give up. But I still think because of his va- his his actual price, it's probably worth going and grabbing a share or two.
1: Well, we're not giving up on Mike Gusecki, and we're also not giving up on our friends over at Bet Online.
2: That's right. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: All righty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Make sure you go to RotoViz, get yourself. Oh, it's it's Black Friday. I don't know if we have a Black Friday sale, Dan, um, but every week we have a Black Friday sale on the Dice Tradecast. When you go to rotoviz.com, you can get a subscription, 20% off using 2020 RV Radio. Like, who needs Black Friday when you got Black Friday every week on the Tradecast? <laughs> what do you think about that,
2: Dan? Our podcast is Black Friday.
1: Yeah, the, the Black Friday cast. <laughs> there we go. Jesus. all righty so make sure you support us uh support the podcast uh 2020 rv radio and support all the great writers at rotoviz we always appreciate you we hope that you have a wonderful safe thanksgiving uh whether it's at home by yourself with your family whatever you need to do wash your hands be safe we love you any last
2: words dan no enjoy your thanksgiving folks
1: kudos on Marty's winning.